So here is Matthew chapter 5, verses 38. It will be on the screen behind me. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So there's a little episode in The Adventures of Huck Finn where Huck, uh, where, where, um, yeah, Huck is talking about feuds. And I just want to read this to you. Here, here's what it says. He says, what's a feud, Buck? Why, where was you raised, Huck? Don't you know what a feud is? Never heard of it before. Tell me about it. Well, says Buck, a feud is this way. A man has a quarrel with another man and kills him. Then that other man's brother kills him. Then the other brothers on both sides go, goes for one another. Then the cousins chip in and by and by everybody's killed off and there ain't no more feud. but it's kind of slow, and it takes a long time. You know, written 150 years ago, but isn't this like warfare and gangs and violence and families that maybe don't kill each other, but the arguments and the division and the, the emotional violence that, that takes place that separates us. It's been said that an eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind. And Jesus is saying through all of these examples, these four examples, we're going to look at each one of them. What he's saying is, if you are one of my people, if you are one of my followers, you don't need to retaliate. You need to trust that God has this. <laughs> You need to trust that God is going to bring justice. It might not be today, it might not be tomorrow, but in the end, there will be justice. And Jesus is calling us, he's calling us to live in a radically different way. You know, he's saying, if you trust in me, if you know that God's going to take care of you, you don't, you, you can give. You can walk an extra mile. You don't have to hit back or, or argue back or whatever it is. So what I want to do this morning is just walk through each of these four examples and then look at the strength. Where do we get the strength to live this out? Where do we get the strength to give what we don't think we have to give? So Jesus says, you know, don't retaliate. You've heard it, you heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, 
turn to them the other cheek also. Just as a reminder, uh, this is the fifth or sixth time that Jesus has used this pattern in the Sermon on the Mount. He's, he's showing his disciples, this is the spirit of the law that was given to you, you know, by Moses so long ago. You have heard it said, but I say to you, and he's teaching them, this is what's underneath the law. This is what God really intends for human beings to live. When he says, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, he's quoting Leviticus chapter 24, verses 19 to 21. And the reason that God gave that then was because society was so violent that if you knocked my tooth out, I would just kill you. I would just take it to the next step. And so the law was given by God to prevent things from getting worse. To say, if someone knocks out your tooth, yes, you can knock out their tooth, but that's it. That's where it stops. But to use the example from before, that's going to mean a lot of people don't have teeth. <laughs> it's going to mean a lot of people are, are blind. Jesus says God's heart is really that violence would end. That if you are a follower of Jesus, you have inside you the power and the strength to put an end to the violence. And sometimes, you know, sometimes that violence is physical, but probably and hopefully more often it's emotional. And it's a war of words that goes back and forth. And we often feel, you know, so hurt by what's said that we want to, we want to hurt the person back. Or we want to retaliate. Or we want to keep them at a distance. Let's think through these, you know, these, these four examples. When Jesus talks about an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, the way that we approach that as human beings, a lot of people have called that the fight or flight response. You know, when there's, when there's adrenaline involved, if someone was to, to literally, you know, it's been a while since I've been, since I've been hit, you know, maybe hopefully, hopefully 30 years or something, but hit in the face, you know, you either run away or you hit back. That's basically the, the human options. But Jesus, in his divine wisdom, he has a third way of dealing with this. And he's, he invites his disciples to turn the other cheek. Because what's that going to do to the bully? It's going to be so surprised. He's going to be so surprised that you don't run and don't hit back. But that you, you stand there. It's, it's a creative response to this. And it kind of reminds me of some forms of, of martial arts. <laughs> you know, like... Self-defense. You're not going to hit back, but you're hoping to stop the violence. One, one commentator wrote, Jesus' command goes right against the code of honor that still plays such a big role in all societies. Christians, counterculturally, are people who will allow their honor to be slighted without seeking revenge. So Christians, followers of Jesus, should be so secure in who they are 
and who God has made them to be, that on, on a certain level, it doesn't matter what other people think of us. We can have our honor taken through the mud. We can be gossiped about. We can be told lies about. They, they, can, call us, they can call us a chicken. They can do all these sorts of things. But on a level, it doesn't matter. Because our honor is not in the code of honor that society goes by. Our honor comes from God and what he's done. Now, that doesn't mean that we're a punching bag. That doesn't mean that we just allow ourselves to be hurt and abused. I've, I've counseled abused wives and abused husbands, to be honest with you. And what, what Jesus is saying here is that you will, you will leave, leave your home. Oop. <laughs> Thanks. The, um, the person who's being abused, they will leave. They won't, they won't stand for it. But then that third way that Jesus is talking about is to pray for the person that's violent, is to get a community of people around them that says, I'm going to pray for the one that's hurt me. I'm going to pray that there's repentance. I'm going to pray that there's healing. I'm going to pray that there's a creative solution to this. And it's not in the hands of us to get even or to teach people a lesson. It's to turn the other cheek, to, to walk away, to surprise to be creative, to think outside the box. Second, Jesus talks about lawsuits. You know, he says that, that the person that, that's wanting to sue you and take your shirt, you know that person? Let, let them have the coat off your back also. Again, this seems, this seems radical. I mean, I don't have that many coats. I don't have that many shirts. Why would I want to be giving this away, especially to someone that's suing me. That's coming after me. The first disciples that heard this, they, um, they knew exactly what Jesus was talking about because these are the two things that people wore in the hot, arid, dry, hot, hot, hot land of Israel. You wore a shirt, men and women. That was the thing that was closest to your body. You wore a long shirt that protected you from the sun and it was light so that you, know, you could walk around. And maybe, maybe if you had to sleep out under the stars like you were a shepherd or you didn't have a home, those folks would have a tunic, this second layer that they would wrap around themselves at night. Jesus is saying, if somebody wants to take your shirt, that thing that everyone's wearing, that one layer, don't only give them that, but give them your tunic also. Again, this is radical. Jesus is saying it's better to go naked than to fight. And get wrapped up all in these lawsuits and back and forth and, and he said, she said, and all these sorts of things. Jesus is saying take radical measures not to get wrapped up in disputes and trust that God's going to provide for you. That, that the God who gave you that shirt is going to give you another shirt. One of my favorite basketball players 
Yusuf Nurkic for the Blazers. It was in the news a couple, two, three weeks ago. He's getting sued by his neighbors in Clackamas County because they're saying that he dumped a bunch of stuff or maybe didn't clean up some yard waste and you know he's got land and his neighbor has a lot of land and they're just having one of those disputes about where the property line ends and if this stuff is on my line or your line and that sort of thing and so his neighbor is suing him for eight thousand dollars because of this yard waste or debris or whatever now his neighbor has sued a lot of people over the years both you know, other neighbors, people down the street, people involved with his business. And he probably thinks he can get away with it because when your neighbor makes $13 million a year, I mean, what's $8,000? That seems like an easy payday for, uh, for the neighbor. I, I did a lot more math this week than I normally do putting together this sermon. It takes Yusuf Nurkic three minutes on the basketball court to make $8,000. He makes $3,300 every minute that he plays. And so this lawsuit smells like a skunk to me. This lawsuit seems totally out of bounds, seems crazy, seems like this guy needs, needs money, right? But what would Jesus say to the man we call the Bosnian beast? What would Jesus say in this situation? He would say, if someone's trying to take $8,000 from you, you know what? Give them $15,000. And not, you know, not because you can, not because it's easy, or not because you're trying to shame him or make him feel bad or repent. Jesus says that because your coat or your money isn't that important. It's not that important. I mean, life is telling us all the time that our money is the most important thing. But Jesus never said, love your money. Jesus said, love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. And that's what's important. And your reputation as a follower of Jesus is saying, this person lives so differently. He got sued for $8,000 and he, he gave fifteen. dollars this guy tried to take his shirt, and not only did he give him his shirt, he gave him his coat also. Jesus said, love your neighbor. And I'm, I'm telling you guys right now, because some of you have disputes with your neighbors. Some of you can't get along with them. Some of you have gotten into conflicts with them, and you just avoid them. Go, go, go this afternoon. Knock on the door and say, you know what, I'm sorry. Your reputation as a Christian is way more important than any dispute that you have. Go, go bless your neighbor. Go love them. Don't love your possessions. Don't love your pride more than your neighbor. Go over and, and make things right. As far as it is possible with you, be at peace with everyone. Romans 12, 18. There's a situation in my life that's kind of been, uh, 
I don't know, it's been driving me nuts for months. And it's just, it's a hurtful situation. I felt very hurt by this person. I even felt a little bit betrayed. And I keep meaning to sit down and write them an email. But I never, I never can because the email is always just me teaching them a lesson. You know, me telling them all the things that they did to, uh, to mess this up. And it just, it, it feels heavy. I don't like unresolved conflict. But for me, this, this teaching about give them your tunic. Don't, don't, don't be stingy. Just give. As I thought about it, I decided I'm going to send them a card instead. And I'm going to give them a gift. And when, I, when that first came into my mind, I think it's from the Holy Spirit, when that first came to my mind, I just laughed. I thought, that's just like, that's crazy. Why would I do that? I mean, they're the ones that messed up. They're the ones that hurt me. And yet, in the, in, as I've sat with this for a week, I feel so much better. I feel like this burden has been lifted off of me. And I feel like, you know, I'm going to bless these people. I, I actually feel better. And it helps me to be released from, from the hurt. To just, to just bless them. Next, Jesus says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Walk with them two miles. And instantly the disciples would have been thinking about those Roman soldiers, those evil, wicked Roman soldiers, because they were allowed to do this. It was one of the laws of the land. That these guys, if they asked you to walk a mile for them, you had to do it. And you know what else you had to do? You had to carry all their stuff. All their belongings, all the, you know, the, the stuff that they needed to be Roman soldiers, you had to carry it for a mile. And it was their way of saying, you know what? You belong to us. We're the ones that are in power here. This might have been your land, for hundreds of years, but we're in charge now. Imagine how, how small that would have made you feel. How degrading to say, this is, this is the land that my parents and my grandparents and my great-grandparents, and now we're prisoners in our own country. You guys have come here and said, you're going to carry my baggage for a mile. And Jesus says, when a Roman soldier or when anyone else forces you to walk a mile, don't, don't just do one mile. Go two miles. Do you see again how surprising this would have been to them? How, how it actually would sort of upset the social structure? Because what's that Roman soldier going to be thinking when you just keep going? <laughs> no, I'll, I'll keep going. I'll keep carrying your stuff for another mile. It's going to get them thinking that I can't control this person. This person is free, and they're making this decision to help me. But again, this cuts at our sense of pride and the code of honor that we have. But Jesus is creative, and he's telling us, he's telling us one-on-one, -on -one, this is what I want you to do. This is how you deal with those around you. Honestly, for me, it's, it's different how I, how I might help someone else. You know, I would sooner defend someone else's 
cause for justice and fight for them, but for myself. When someone asks me to go a mile, I'm going to go that extra mile. When, when your boss or when somebody in authority over you asks you to do something, go above and beyond. It gets them thinking. In the, uh, in the small town that I lived in until I was nine years old over in the uh, Grandview, Washington, the Yakima Valley, uh, the youth there are very, very challenged. Uh, when I was a student, the schools were about um, half Hispanic and half Anglo. Now it's about 90% Hispanic. And almost all of those don't speak English in the home. So the minute that they go to kindergarten at you know, six years old, they're trying to learn in a language that they've had very, very little exposure to. And it's, it's very challenging. Um, and a friend of mine was a youth pastor in Grandview for, for many years, but it broke his heart that so many kids were falling through the cracks. And no matter what he tried to do, there was still tons of kids in his youth group that would join a gang, that would drop out of school, that would get pregnant at 15 or 16, and they'd just never see him again, and they were falling through the cracks. So he decided to do something a little different. He decided to think outside the box. He decided to be creative. And he quit his job as a youth pastor. He said, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm starting a nonprofit, and we're going to have an after-school center where while, while all of their parents are out working in the fields, they can come, and they can have a safe place to do their homework. They can have computers to do their work. They can have healthy snacks. They can have music lessons. They can have mentorship. And they can have ping pong. I'm a big believer that ping pong solves everything. If we could just get a ping pong table in this church, whew, make all the difference. Over the past 10 years, this after-school center has changed the youth culture in Grandview. And when I went and visited last year, he has the flags of 20 colleges and universities up around the after-school center. That is where the kids have gone. They're staying in school, they're going to college, they're getting jobs, and they're giving back. And you know what Gene calls this, uh, this after-school center and this ministry? The Extra Mile. The Extra Mile Student Center because he's walking the extra mile with these kids that other people have kind of given up on. They might be flaky, they might be in and out, they might give up, they might walk away, and yet he's saying, I am going to walk that extra mile with you. Nobody's forcing me, nobody's making me, but I'm going to walk alongside you and I'm going to be there with you. And me and these other adults, we're going to walk with you through life. That's what Jesus is talking about. Going the extra mile for people that don't deserve it. Even for people that might be cruel to you or might be in power above you or might be using their power in unhealthy ways. Jesus is saying, go the extra mile with them. And then finally, Jesus says, give. Give to the one who asks you. And don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. 
when, uh, when I was doing ministry up in Seattle, we started a coffee shop. And uh, we, I hired a, a friend of mine to run the coffee shop. And we'd have all kinds of, of groups come in and say, can we use your coffee shop to you know, have an open mic, to teach English to people who, as a second language, to have this club or that club? And my friend would just say, I'm going to try to figure out a way, as much as it's possible with me, to say yes. To say, yes, you can do this. We're going to give you our space. We're going to empower you to have this space. You, you need something that we have, and we want to bless you. Figuring out a way that we could say yes. This is another, another way to creatively be a follower of Jesus. And if someone asks you for money, you might not be able to give them money, but you can give them time. You can give them a listening ear. You can be there for them. You can build a relationship. Again, it's so, it's so countercultural. It goes against everything that we're taught from the time that we're young, that, um, you know, that we, we, we don't go to our friends and ask for things. That we, don't, that we don't ask to borrow. Or even that, you know, money and possessions and stuff, it should be earned. We should work hard for these things. We, we you know, just listen to any celebrity, whether that's an athlete or, you know, someone on television or in movies or whatever. They always say things like, I've worked my whole life for this. I've worked my whole life to get to this point. I've worked my whole life for, for, to get to the Super Bowl. And there's kind of this myth that if you just work hard, you could make all your dreams come true. Well, my, uh, my, my mom recently unearthed my seventh grade football team picture. And I'm telling you that no amount of hard work would have gotten me to the Super Bowl. I mean, I'm lucky I survived that year. Like 120 pounds dripping wet in these huge shoulder pads and football helmet. No amount of hard work or dedication was going to get me to a college scholarship. But Jesus says, it's not all about that. Jesus says, give. Give, even to those that don't deserve it. Why? Because who among us deserves God's love? We haven't earned it. But that's, that is the heart of the gospel that Jesus came. He showed us how to live. He gave us this incredible teaching. And then he went to the cross. You know, Easter is not just one day. Easter is, Easter is 50 days, and Easter, in a, in a way, is our whole lives. That we can live the resurrected life, the new life. Jesus died for us when we were his enemies. Jesus gave to us new life when we didn't deserve it. He took our sins upon himself and he was nailed to the cross. And what we were given was a new start. What we were given was the opportunity to live a completely different life. And this life is going to look more and more like Jesus. When we understand the gospel, 
when we understand how much we've been given, when it touches our hearts, we're going to live more and more like this. We're going to be able to walk the extra mile. We're going to be able to give people the shirt and the tunic off our back. We're going to be able to turn the other cheek and not worry about our reputation or our pride. That's why we would do it. And that's where we get the strength because of the good news. And knowing that Jesus, one day, he's going to make all things right. That all that's going to be left is goodness and love. So we don't need to take matters into our own hands here and now. We don't need to try to justify ourselves because Jesus has already justified us. We can wait and we can hope and we can work for that day when Jesus makes all things right. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, so often we, we want to take matters into our own hands. We want to hurt the people that have hurt us. Lord, we pray that you give us wisdom that we trust you for everything, that we trust that you will make things right, that the awful things that have happened to us, that you will make sense of them all. Lord, we, we long to trust you. We don't want to live in a world where there's vigilante justice or where we have to take matters into our own hands. We live in your world, in your kingdom, where we can live and give and walk the extra mile and turn the other cheek. Lord, we'll never do this in our own strength. We need you, Jesus, to show us this, to show us not to strike back, not to attack, not to belittle, but to live your life of grace and truth. Holy Spirit, show us how to do that as we encounter these situations day by day. We ask this all in your name, Jesus. Amen.